Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is a Trojan Blast recruiting version of our Peristyle Podcast. We haven't had done one for about a month or so. We've had several requests on Twitter. People asking, we had someone ask today, Gerard, what's going on? Where's the uh, Trojan Blast recruiting podcast? So we're going to do that. we got Gerard Martinez on the line. We tracked him down. He's going to answer your recruiting questions, talk about this USC recruiting class, what's been going on, all the, the passing tournaments, lots going on in the world of recruiting during this May evaluation period. What's up, Gerard? How you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a long time since we've had a recruiting blast. Uh, I've done a couple podcasts, but not the exclusive recruiting blast. And uh, people on Twitter definitely like it. People on Twitter go, man, we haven't heard as many updates <laughs> from you lately. And I'm thinking... You obviously do not subscribe to the fair style because right. there's plenty of updates there. But the recruiting blast obviously being something that's free for all, uh, there are people that kind of wait for it. Right. You can get this, these kind of updates every day. Gerard's answering questions on the Peristyle. Um, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he's GMartLive, GMartLive, and I'm at InsideTroy. You can follow both of us on Twitter. We tweet out stuff, what's going on, but we save the – the juiciest nuggets for the Peristyle. Of course, on uscfootball.com, you can check it out. You can get a seven-day free trial if you've not been a subscriber before and try it out. There's lots going on. People talking USC football 24-7 every day, all day long, all year. So there's always stuff going on. Sometimes there's other topics, Gerard, but we try to try to keep it to USC football and recruiting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Stephen Hawking is a, is a topic that is <laughs> raging right now. Uh, somebody decided that they did not like Stephen Hawking and his uh, contributions to science. And so there was a debate that uh, spun into, I think now it's a debate of uh, intelligent design and creationism versus evolution. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a window into <laughs> the peristyle and the eclectic amount of topics that are discussed. And during the off-season, there's a lot of off-topics that get discussed. And uh, actually, you know, quite a few people uh, tell me, you know, they, they go to the peristyle and it's almost like, you know, they learn kind of what's going on uh, for the day. You know, there's things that pop up, and it's like, yeah, I heard about that on the Peristyle. And uh, you'd be surprised, uh, the the people that uh, read the Peristyle and uh, and and get um, kind of what uh, the zeitgeist is uh, from the Peristyle. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's it's a weird time, but obviously there's a lot of football going on right now. No, you know, spring football is over, but the, the winter work, I mean, the summer workouts are back. We're down there. I got exclusive photos that'll be coming up later on. We got video highlights of the players throwing the football around. Dan Weber put up a story yesterday talking to a lot of the guys about what they thought about the Trojans going the NFL draft. So there's definitely the the team stuff is still going on. We'll get you a lot of inside stuff that the newspapers and TV stations they don't go down there, but we're down there for those off season workouts. So you can check that out. And of course, May evaluation period on the recruiting side where coaches are out. And you're hearing stuff all over the place. This coach was at this school. This coach was at this school. This guy got an offer, checking things out. And then so on that side, then you also have these passing tournaments, which I guess it's kind of like AAU basketball on the football side. And we got to see a lot of athletes this weekend, Gerard, at, at Fullerton College for the uh, passing down best of the West seven on seven tournament. I mean, there was a lot of guys there. Yeah, it was it was a great tournament. Um, you know, you bring in uh, some kids from Northern California and you had uh, a good group from Southern California. A lot of guys that we've seen uh, week in and week out, really. I mean, the passing tournaments are almost every weekend uh, at this point during the spring. So a lot of guys that we've seen from Southern California, but it was great to see some of the guys coming in from Northern California, too. Yeah, and speaking of those Northern California guys, if you check out uscfootball.com right now, uh, the main man, Joe Mixon, we put up a about four-minute or so highlight tape of him. You can see him... Uh, make, I don't know, five or six touchdown catches. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff going on with that. If you want to see him, he's – I saw your tweet today, Gerard. It looked like he was going to be a five-star. But him and two other of his teammates that kind of made a, a trifecta of death on the left side of the secondary this uh, 
it was like a Bermuda Triangle with the three of those guys kind of together, people trying to complete passes over there. But maybe you want to talk about those three guys from Northern California that kind of got everybody's attention. Yeah, I mean, Joe Mixon is actually from Freedom High School, so he's not a teammate uh, in high school with Darius Pickett, the cornerback, and uh, Derek Calhoun, who's a linebacker. Those guys are from El Cerrito, uh, whereas uh, Mixon is, is from the school uh, that uh, Darrell Daniels, is one of the receivers for the 2013 class at USC, was on pretty hard until he came down to the camp. And I think USC saw him in person and decided they wanted to go in another direction with the receivers. Uh, Stephen Mitchell being a guy uh, that at that same camp earned an offer and ended up committing to USC. And I think that was definitely the right move for USC. It was kind of what uh, I felt going into that camp that, uh, you know, Daniels wasn't quite a USC level guy. Uh, Mixon is, you know, Mixon is, is going to be one of the top running backs in the nation. There's a lot of discussion about him being a five-star guy. We've seen him before and we've seen what he could do, especially in the seven-on tournaments. We saw him at the Army All-American Combine. He came down for the Under Armour uh, Rivals Camp, um, you know, in, in late February and did what he's continued to do everywhere we've seen him. And he just runs past people and, and makes great catches. He's got great ball skills. He's fast. Um, he's obviously big. I mean, 6'2", 210 pounds. And so for a big back, he shows a lot of skill in the open field. And he shows a, a really a great ability uh, in terms of awareness when the ball is in the air to be able to adjust his body and make those catches. As a running back, you know, and as a big back, there's a lot to be still seen from him in terms of, uh, you know, how he hits the hole, how he runs the ball. Uh, he's yeah. definitely an upright sprinter. Um, just everything about his body is, is, is kind of straight up, and that's a big question about him. You know, how, how does he hit the hole, and, and, and really how is he able to break tackles when he's already a, a pretty tall for a running back, and, and then he runs upright on top of it. He's going to have to learn to kind of lower his body a little bit. And so, you know, when you get in the pads, there's a lot more evaluation that can go on yeah. with a running back than on seven on seven. We've seen, uh, him, but, we've seen him like in these – it's he's unstoppable in these kind of situations but like you said i haven't seen him in person in pads running the football things like that i think some people are are waiting for that but i don't know how much better he could be without pads on he looks just tremendous and you're looking at really his weaknesses i mean this is really when you're looking at a 6'2 210 pound running back um, seeing him play in space and seeing him catch the ball and seeing him do everything but run people over, that, that's kind of looking at you know, the things that you would question about him just in terms of physicality. You would look at a guy and go, well, okay, but we want to see all these other things uh, from, a, from a finesse standpoint, from a skill standpoint, because you assume with his size that he can break tackles and that uh, you know, he's able to have some body lean on, on third and short and, and all those other things. But you, know, you can't take that for granted, and I think that's one of the things when you watch his film uh, you want to see a little more about uh, of him being a physical runner and, and kind of how he does things with pads on. So that that's going to have to wait until the season. But right now, people are really excited just about his athleticism, about his ability um, as a as a receiver. And, and really, you know, this is the first chance that we we were able to see him play defense, and he was playing safety, and he was pretty good safety as well. So it's one of those things that you know, as a safety. Um, you know, you kind of look at some comparisons. He's more of like a Darnell Bing type, a really big guy for a safety. And you think, well, maybe if he was to play defense, he would shift down to being an outside linebacker. But in terms of using his full skill set, I think you really got to give him a look at running back first. I mean, that would be, you know, if you can have a guy that's that athletic and, and can do all those things, um, you want to probably try to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. It would only be one of those cases that, you know, you see him in pads and then his upright, you know, running style uh, becomes a little bit of an issue and, and he's not breaking tackles like he should. And there's, I don't know, there's something else there that you, you wouldn't assume would be an issue. And, and that's probably the only reason why you'd pop him over to defense. But uh, he could really play either side of the ball and be very good. Um, Adarius Pickett, who's a 5'11", 180-pound cornerback, uh, Really, you know, a guy that, again, you could say maybe he could play a little safety, you know, a, a little bit of a hybrid type guy, but definitely seems like he wants to play corner. He played very well. Um, nothing spectacular from him. Um, he did play offense, too, and, and had a couple catches. Uh, but, uh, you know, a, a physical kid, a kid that I, I just – I think I like his, his attitude, you know, as much as anything. He's very, um, you know, hardworking, you know, sprinting up and down the field. 
Um, you know, offense, defense, playing both ways, gave a lot of effort, uh, was a guy that um, seemed to be kind of the gel, uh, the nucleus of that uh, that Northern California team. It, I got the sense that he was very even-keeled and, and a guy that um, I think, you know, there's some intangibles there that you like about him, uh, not just necessarily the speed and the physicality. We already saw that at the Under Armour Rivals Camp, um, you know, in February, where he was uh, really one of the only guys that, that, that got into Eric Brown, the receiver from Summit High School, who uh, is another guy kind of like Mixon uh, Sunday. You know, Eric Brown throughout the, the tournament uh, circuit has just run by people. You know, just, I mean, and that's, if there's one knock that you can have going back on Mixon, he doesn't run a lot of routes. You don't see him run a lot into the flat or a lot of, you know, out routes or things that you would do more in a real football type situation. He runs just, you know, down the hashes most of the time and <laughs> runs right by people. I mean, he did that at the uh, Army All American Combine where, you know, probably every other uh, route that he ran was a deep route. And which is, you know, again, it's one of those things that you wouldn't expect from a big running back, but that's what he does. And he could beat and, him off the line. I mean, he made him, he made him make a move. He made a move off the line and then just left him in the dust, and then they couldn't keep up with him. Exactly. Yeah, he, he's just really a guy that uh, can just get downfield. You don't necessarily see a lot of, um, you know, big routes or anything like that. Um, but, again, I mean, it's, it's, he's a big running back, so he's doing things that you really wouldn't expect or things that you would assume he couldn't do necessarily, and he's doing those things. So I think that's what wows people. And with Pickett, he's a guy that, you know, it, like going back to that Under Armour uh, Rivals camp, uh, really the physicality, the ability to stop guys at the line of scrimmage and not allow them to get off the line of scrimmage, that was really what gave Eric Brown some, some problems in that camp. Because Eric Brown has a, has a tendency to just get off the line of scrimmage clean, and once he gets step for step, he's going to leave. You know, if he's even, he's leaving, and he's going to get a step on you, and he's going to beat you deep. And Pickett was able to kind of keep that from happening, and I think that happened uh, a bit in uh, Sunday's tournament. He really was good at the line of scrimmage and uh, slowed guys down. And the other guy with this scholarship offer from USC is Derek Calhoun. And Derek Calhoun, uh, an interesting scholarship offer from USC because he's not a huge guy, and you see USC going to that 5-2 um, he's going to play inside linebacker. What I saw from him, which I, I like, I, I think he's a guy that can play at that 230, 240 pounds. I, he's, he's big right now, and you, a lot of people – like he's at that point where physically maybe he's not going to put on a lot more weight. But I watched him this weekend, and I, and I got the sense that I think he can. And I think he can be a plugger. You know, he's not tall, but if you're going to play inside linebacker in any kind of 3-4 variant system, even in a 4-3, quite frankly, 5'11", 6 foot is fine. If you don't need to be 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, that really, for USC, it's the outside linebackers. They need a lot more height. They need guys at the line of scrimmage that can see over the line of scrimmage because they're now playing at the line of scrimmage. So the guys that are going to be playing inside, the Mike linebacker and the Will linebacker, those guys don't necessarily need to be huge. And I think, uh, you know, Michael Hutchings, I think, is a guy that's going to play inside for USC. Uh, I, I think Derek Calhoun can get, can get there too. Um, not really his – event you know it kind of sort of with the, with the big inside linebacker you know he's not going to be a guy that's going to uh that's going to be great man for man or, or, or playing a whole lot in space so we didn't see we didn't see a whole lot from him in terms of uh you know playmaking ability in the middle um but i think he was good enough and, and he's a guy that when you put on the film that's where you really are impressed by him by his downfield you know just going down and smashing people being very physical at the line of scrimmage big hits getting his head in front of the tackle. Um, he's, a, he's a big physical guy with pads on, and that's really where you make the bulk of your evaluation with him. And I think that's really where he impresses. So the seven-on tournament, you know, that's not going to be necessarily, uh, you know, his main, uh, uh, you know, stage for being able to make plays. Um, as far as those three guys, do you think that USC has a legitimate shot uh, at one, two, or three of them? I think USC did a tremendous job recruiting in this past weekend. They went on an unofficial visit to USC Saturday morning, got there about 8 o'clock, and uh, quite a few of the coaches actually flown back in and were on campus to, to host them. And so they had a real intimate, you know, kind of focused visit with USC, Lane Kiffin, Ed Orgeron, Mike Eckler, uh, Clay Helton, Clancy Pendergast, they were all there. They watched film. They talked. They toured the facilities again. Uh, they had some one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings with some of the academic counselors. And really talking to not only the kids but their parents, USC made a huge, uh, a huge move with, with all those guys. I mean, Derek Calhoun 
I think went from being a heavy UCLA lean to now USC is, is, is maybe even, in fact, his leader. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think, was fading a little bit with USC, and now USC's right back in the mix with him. And I think Darius Pickett really likes USC and has had, liked USC and, and now is kind of in the, in the mode of, man, I, I think this might be the place for me, especially when you look at the, the cornerback depth. Uh, that USC doesn't have. You know, they just don't have anybody at corner. They're going to have to take some corners, and he being kind of one of the, the, the first guys in state that they're on in the 2014 class, uh, you're looking at Calhoun, you're looking at Pickett, you're looking at Mixon, and really those are only guys that have offers right now for USC that are in California. So they're, they're number one on the board uh, in state, and USC definitely did a great job of, of selling the program and selling the opportunities that those guys have, and they all want to play together. Whether it happens or not remains to be seen, but they definitely want to play together in college. And it just gave me the vibe, and I really wasn't expecting it, especially from Calhoun and, and really Mixon. You know, I talked to Mixon, it seemed like USC was kind of outside of that top five for him, even though publicly he's not stating he has an official top five. You know, he has like a top 15. I felt like USC was more in that top 10 range for him. I, I think, you know, there were schools like Georgia and some other schools that he was kind of more enamored with. Now I think it's a little more USC for him. And and, and, and for all three of those guys, it, it was definitely a big deal. And I think what made it even more significant is that they went from USC to UCLA. Uh, and Saturday night they ended up unofficially visiting UCLA for the UCLA spring game. And they just went to the spring game. They just went there at like 7.30, watched the spring game. And they were, you know, they said, oh, yeah, it was a good spring game and, and what have you. But it, it just didn't seem like UCLA did much to, to really – uh, impress them as much as at least the USC did early in the morning. And, and obviously it's early and things can change and what have you, but, uh, you know, whatever USC did, they really did a good job because those kids, um, the impression that I got, and I think several other riders got was, uh, yeah, USC made a big move for these guys this weekend. Uh, how about some other guys that were at the, uh, the passing down tournament that impressed you? Uh, you know, I think Johnson Lockett, you know, continues to be a guy that does really well. Uh, from a standpoint of physicality, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, um, but uh, he is impressive. I mean, he is a guy that is results-oriented. And, um, you know, we've seen him go against guys like, uh, you know, whether it be Eric Brown from Summit High School or, or Rasheed Johnson uh, from Long Beach, Jordan, who's uh, been pretty unstoppable on the uh, the passing circuit. You know, he's been that one guy that's kind of been consistent against all those players. And while he's not huge, um, he just seems to get it done. And I think technically uh, he's so sound and he, and he does a lot of good things in terms of his footwork and his fluidity with his hips that um, the athleticism is not necessarily something he has to rely on a whole, mu- a whole bunch. Um, I think it's going to be with USC, what do they want from their cornerbacks? I mean, do they want guys playing a lot of man. I think if you're going to play a lot of man, I can see where Kevin Lockett, or excuse me, Jonathan Lockett, I always call him Kevin Lockett because of the kid from uh, <laughs> Kansas State that played oh. a receiver so many years ago and is a great kick returner. And I always say Kevin Lockett. I got him in my head for some reason. But Jonathan Lockett, uh, the quarterback from Honor Day, is a guy that he's not a man coverage type guy. He's not a recovery speed type guy. And I think if you beat him off the line of scrimmage, I've seen a couple opportunities there where a guy like Rasheed Johnson got a step on him. And, and while he didn't have that pass completed on him, you could see that, you know, you were, that, that, that long speed was not necessarily there with Lockett. If you're going to play more of a zone cover two, you're going to play off man and you've got some space there and you're going to be a little more conservative with your corners then I think then I think Johnson Lockett is a guy that you definitely he's he's right up there with the best cornerbacks that you're going to find uh, in the state of California, maybe in the West Region. So, you know, I think he's a guy that's definitely up there. I think he's a guy that can camp. I think uh, he could grow on USC and get an offer. He's been very consistent, at least uh, you know in, in in the camp circuit and in the uh, the passing circuit thus far. So, you know, I'm still a fan of Jonathan Lockett. I think he's a guy that USC's got to consider um, in terms of offers. Um, another guy is Iman Marshall. You know, Iman Marshall already has that scholarship offer from USC, and he's been playing more and more cornerback uh, towards the end of this uh, passing circuit. And, I mean, just as a cornerback, he's just the guy. You know, he's, he's the best player out there right now. Um, one of the best players when you watch on film probably in the 2015 class. He's big and he looks like a, a safety. And a, I've talked to his father about this. I've talked to several people about it. He just, for whatever reason, his, his innate skills are just better at corner. He definitely sees the field better. 
I think his physicality is is more is used better at cornerback. Um, his feet, just everything, you know, his ball skills are just better at cornerback. And uh, you know, when you watch him play corner, he's dominant. And uh, he came in actually from the pin relays, and uh, nobody thought he was actually going to participate in uh, any of the tournament uh, Sunday. But he ended up coming in, finding some cleats, and playing and playing really well as a cornerback. And so he's a guy that continues to be impressive, and um, as a guy that we're going to see, and I'm really excited. Uh, to see in Chicago for the five-star challenge uh, in June. Um, uh, he's going to be one of those few guys from the 2015 class that should get an invite, and uh, we're going to see him, you know, really get a little more of a test, um, you know, against uh, some of the top players from, from the nation, you know, guys from Florida and the Southeast and guys from the Midwest, and uh, we're going to see, you know, how he's able to do because uh, he's been a guy that's been dominant, you know, out West for, for, for the last uh, couple of years, and so it'll be interesting to see him on a national level. And, uh, and I guess one of the other guys that, um, you know, uh, impressive but inconsistent was Dwight Williams, uh, the linebacker from Sarah. You know, sometimes he just kind of is floating around out there, and, and I don't know if it's just he doesn't feel challenged or, or motivated by the passing circuit, but he kind of is in and out a little bit. You see him chasing a lot of guys sometimes and not necessarily anticipating uh, as much as you would like. And, you know, he's a guy that's been very good at camps and, and been very good in these types of, uh, you know, shirts and shorts situations and without pads. That's kind of his forte. You know, when you look at Derek Calhoun, he's kind of a fish out of water in the, the seven-on tournaments, whereas uh, Dwight Williams, it's really more his his cup of tea. You know, that's kind of where his, his wheelhouse is um, in terms of being in space and, and playing in pass coverage. But he was a little inconsistent, and, you know, his coaches were getting his ear a little bit. And, um, you know, the recruiting process may be getting to him a little bit. You know, he's got offers, and everybody's patting him on the back and telling him what a great player he is. Uh, he, he looks a little complacent with that, and um, that's going to be something to kind of watch throughout the recruiting process. If uh, you know he's a guy that can keep himself motivated and stay hungry, um, because uh, he's not you know physically the most amazing player in the world. You know he's about six foot and a half, six one, about two hundred five pounds. He's not, you know, this amazing guy that you're like, oh, well, you know, he can take some plays off because this is, you know, just seven on and it doesn't really matter. You know, this is where he's really supposed to be dominant. This is where people expect him to be a guy that's shutting people down and, and locking running backs up and, and doing all those things uh, from a middle linebacker position that you would expect from a guy that's uh, more of a coverage guy. You know, where the big questions come from him, how much is he initiating plays when he's got pads on during the season? He's a guy that when you watch on film – he does a lot of, you know, around the ball a lot, a lot of assistant tackles, but not necessarily a guy who's making plays and is at the forefront of, you know, lost tackles for losses and sacks. And he's not out there like that. And so that's going to be the big question with him is, is you know, physically is he becoming, you know, more of a leader and more of a guy that's, you know, initiating tackles and initiating plays during the season. You know, during the camp circuit, we kind of, I, I guess, expect a lot from Dwight Williams just because we've seen it from the past that he can be dominant in these types of situations. Speaking of Dwight Williams, he did have a couple of picks, though. He did, uh, I saw a couple, one, he returned up the sideline, but he stepped out. And I think one, like, saved a touchdown was the goal line. But, yeah, I, he, there, I, I see what you're saying about that. We did have a yeah, he he definitely can show those flashes and 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 has shown those flashes. But you know, we had him at the five star challenge in Atlanta last year, and I felt like he was one of the best players. The West team, they lost a couple games early. You had a lot of those kids on that team that got pouty, and they 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 really unfortunately played to the stereotype of the West Coast player that they're soft and they just they don't not passionate and they're not hungry and they're not aggressive. And those guys fell into that stereotype after they lost a couple games, and not across the board. I mean, guys like Justin Davis and uh, guys like Chris Hawkins and, 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 you know, Max Brown, they didn't play like that. And, uh, you know, I hate to make it sound like, oh, it was only the USC players that stepped up. But, I mean, those were among the guys that really kept playing hard and kept trying to go after it. But there was a few guys, and I won't mention names, that just I think they, they turned it in. Dwight Williams wasn't one of those guys. Dwight Williams, like, you know, Max Brown and, and Chris Hawkins, those guys, he seemed to play throughout and he was going after it and he put together a really good uh couple days there in Atlanta uh when people I think weren't necessarily looking out for him and but again you know now he's got a lot of people patting him on his back he's done all that he's been MVP at the Nike camp two years in a row 
he kind of goes to these events and he's just kind of out there sometimes. And then, you know, he can make a great play. And I think one of those things was, you know, Chris Claiborne, uh, he's on that University 55 frat boys team. And you got a guy like Chris Claiborne who's a Buckus winner. The guy that played in the NFL for a, a long time, uh, a first-round pick, uh, a guy that, you know, wore that 55 at USC you got to, you know, take advice from that guy. You know, you got to listen to that guy. And I think Chris got into his ear a little bit about playing harder and being more of a factor, and I think Dwight responded to that. And it's more a question Dwight's got to find it out for himself. You know, that light bulb's got to go out for himself, and he's got to find self-motivation because you're not always going to have somebody there that's going to be like, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. You know, if he's going to be a leader and be a guy that, you know, is a, is a, is a big-time player, he's got to just be hungry. He's got to want to prove himself all the time, every time, and be more consistent and, you know, not just a couple interceptions here and there, but be a guy that, you know, is getting a lot of pass deflections and is just consistent. You know, we need to see more consistency from him. Uh, well, the, the the question that Andrew had from Thousand Oaks, he said, this might have been covered before, but you get the feeling that a Dory Jackson and Dwight Williams, the, their teammates at Sarah, would like to go to the same school. Is there any sentiment among the coaches that offering Williams a scholarship will help them land Jackson? I think there's a lot of schools that believe that. I don't necessarily believe that. I mean, a Dory Jackson is not from Southern California. He has a lot of family back East. I mean, East St. Louis is kind of where he's from. He's got a lot of family in Mississippi. I, I get the sense that, you know, if things work out, they could end up at the same school, but I don't get the sense that that's a package deal that, you know, come high or hell water that they're going to for sure end up at the same school. That's, that's not the sense I get. I think they're both their own men. I think uh, the fact that, you know, Dory is not a part of the passing circuit. He hasn't done anything. He's really done more track and, and concentrated on team stuff uh, where Dwight has been a little more out there with the passing circuit. Um, I, I think that kind of shows you, you know, they're friends and, and, and it, if things you know overlap and there's offers there for both guys and the opportunity exists that they could go to the same school, it would be nice. But I don't get the sense that uh, that those guys are, are are you know tied at the hip or anything like that. Um, all right. Well, and then there's another question having to do with uh, Adore Jackson. Melvin wants to know who's the biggest priority: Juju Smith from Long Beach Poly or Adore Jackson from Gardena Sarah. For USC, it has to be Adore Jackson, uh, without without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, one of the first scholarship offers in the 2014 class for USC, plays cornerback, is a guy that USC. I mean, they they have to have. They they really, you know, I talked to to Darius Pickett about this in 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 the article that just went up today, and he discussed you know the need at cornerback for USC, and he said, yeah, you know, they were supposed to sign two guys, they only signed one. Truth be told, they were supposed to sign three guys. Last spring, they wanted to sign three cornerbacks, and they only ended up kind of going after two because Jalen Ramsey was pouting about them recruiting over him. And if if they had their druthers, they would have really liked to get three guys. And so, you know, this this year, they kind of really have to get three guys. I mean, two, I think, is a, is a must. I think they'd like to get three and so if you've got a guy that's a quality guy that you feel can come in and step in for you right away and play as a true freshman is, uh, I'm pretty sure Dory Jackson is that level player for USC. Yeah, Dory Jackson is a, is a is the best player in state right now, and he's at a neat position. So while Juju Smith's a very good player, uh, I think, you know, Dory Jackson's hand down the, the guy that uh, USC really has to get and is probably the highest priority on their board. All right. Uh, J.D. from D.C., Wants to know, Gerard, it's encouraging to see Ed Orgeron get a jump on the best of the West this year with Humphreys and Smallwood offers. Do you see USC quickly offering, uh, I'm not even sure who this is, Lilano as well. And is that right? It's L-E-A-L-A-O. Lilano. Uh, Lilo. Uh, yeah, Lilo. The, the kid from up north from uh, Sacramento. Okay. What's his, do you know his first name? Uh, it's, uh, um, I'm blanking off the top of my head. It's Nafi or something like that. Naifi, uh, Lialo or something. Naifi Lialo. Okay. If you're going to, let's just, we're going to make a general rule. If you're going to have a complicated name question for the podcast, put the whole name in there. Sound spell it right. Because <laughs> sometimes people don't spell these right. names right and, and they have the wrong name. You know, it's like, uh, you know, they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, Robbie Nixon, and you're going, wait, you're talking about Joe Nixon? <laughs> That's kinda, that can throw Ryan off sometimes, too. Right. Um, and then, okay, so he says, do you concur 
that we would have loved to have any of these three around to commit when we got hosed by out-of-state defensive ends last year. That's from J.D. in D.C. Uh, you know, Lialo, I don't know kind of where he is on the board. He got an early scholarship offer, but he plays at a really small school, and he was originally listed at like 6'5", 280, but now you know, people are saying he's more like 6'2", 275. Totally changes where he is. Um, on the defensive line, you know, in terms of where you would play him at. You go from, you know, a guy that's probably going to be a for-sure defensive end uh, or a three-technique and a 4-3 to now he's going to probably be a defensive tackle no matter what, maybe even a guy that you want to put as a one-shade just depending on, you know, how tall he really is. So I, I don't know where he sits with things. He, and and he's, a, he's a guy that's you know, really wants to go to Stanford, and he's kind of waiting on that Stanford scholarship offer and, and hoping to get into Stanford. So I, I don't know if he's necessarily that, you know, must have love to have type guy. I think he's a guy that, you know, they're definitely recruiting and they're interested in um, Smallwood is a guy that kind of was off the radar a little bit. I don't think people really were on Smallwood as much as they are now post USC offer. Um, it's, it's encouraging that USC, has a you know a commitment from a defensive lineman this early, but obviously you know USC had five commitments from defensive linemen last year. <laughs> had the best defensive line class in the country last year. Um, by the time you got into July, and ended up with one of those guys. So you know that that it's 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 encouraging you know <laughs> to see that they're offering guys, but there's a lot of out of state guys that are on the board and. You know the guys that uh, that they're that they're that they're hunting down are, are kind of out of state guys for the most part, and you know you can make the argument it doesn't really matter whether it's out of state or in state that if you lose as many games as USC lost and you have the disappointing season you're going to lose recruits you know because the the defensive line class that they had last year was really based based on in state guys I mean you had Eddie Vanderdose you had you know Kylie Fitz yeah you also had uh, you know Hatcher and you had um, you know Prevo but you know the top guys were really bad dose and, and fits outside of uh, you know Kenny Bigelow, so they kept Kenny Bigelow as an out-of-state guy, but they lost two in-state guys and they lost two out-of-state guys. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're going to lose guys, you're going to lose guys no matter what because you're losing games. Um, so while it's encouraging, and I think USC has to go and they have to dig and they have to project a little more. A guy like Smallwood is, you know, physically not an amazing guy. You know, he's six foot maybe, uh, 280 pounds. The, the comparisons that are made and, and even made by Ed Ergeron, um, you know, talking to Smallwood when he went to junior day and he committed and got the scholarship offer was that he reminded him a lot of Mike Patterson. And obviously Mike Patterson, you know, was, was a smaller, sawed-off type defensive tackle, very quick. And you see some of that in the film with Smallwood. You see a guy that's great lateral movement, um, you know, uses his hands really well, really quick off the snap, and, and can make a lot of plays. You know, the only difference would be that, you know, Smallwood, quite frankly, at this time is, is actually probably in much better shape and, and as, a, as, a, as a prospect physically is a better-looking prospect, even though he's not an amazing-looking prospect. And I only say that because relative to Mike Patterson, Mike Patterson was coming out of Los Alamitos like at 330 pounds, and he was like 5'11", and people were going, oh, my God, this guy's never – I mean, it's going to take him five years. Uh, he's going to be a redshirt senior by the time he's even in shape enough to play a Division One ball game. And But you know what? It, it, USC – got him in the weight room, they got him, you know, on the right training table, and he lost the weight, and, you know, bada boom, bada bing, by the time he's, you know, into his sophomore, going into his junior year, all of a sudden he's a starter and uh, becoming a star for USC. So, you know, Smallwood is a guy that, you know, six foot, 280, if he can maintain that, it's much better looking prospect, um, able to come in sooner for USC and do some things. And I think, um, you know, running that 5-2, it's going to be interesting where they put him. He's probably going to have to be one shade. So truth be told, he's probably going to end up wanting to put on a little more weight. I mean, I think you're going to want him more in that 290, 300-pound range and being a guy that can go right over center and win leverage. Um, so it's encouraging that USC is not just putting all their hopes and, and dreams on the five-star guys, um, you know, Smallwooded right now is a three-star guy. And so that's good. Um, it's going to have to continue because, you know, you're going to have to start to, to, to kind of cultivate some of these guys locally. And maybe there's a guy out there that's only 240 pounds and he's 6'3". But you know what? In California, that kid, once he gets, you know, into college and he's a sophomore, he could be 280 easy. 
And so you, you have to, you know, kind of project a little more. So I think that's really what you hope from USC and that they're willing to give some offers locally and go after some kids and not necessarily pin their hopes on just the guys that are rated and ranked. Uh, okay, a couple more questions, Gerard. This is from actually David and OC had the last few questions. He's like, first, he sent in, do you think that you and Gerard will have a recruiting Peristyle podcast soon? Yes, David, we're having one right now. So that's soon. Okay. Uh, first thing you want to know is what happened with Casey Tucker from Arizona? Um, you know, Casey Tucker is just a little aloof, I think, with the recruiting process and the kind of guy that's going to sway with the breeze a little bit. And, and right now with Christian Westerman, uh, the former Auburn, um, you know, uh, recruit that, that was a big-time guy coming out of Arizona and USC was on him. And then when Pete Carroll left and Pat Rule left, um, you know, he just didn't like, I think, Lane Kiffin or, or didn't have that relationship with the coaches that he had with the past uh, staff and ended up kind of going on, you know, the, 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 the hot team at that point. That was Auburn. You know, they're coming off a national championship and Cam Newton and, oh, my God, they're going to be great. And obviously that ship is completely sunk at this point in terms <laughs> of, you know, what they, what they look like they were going to be to what they were last year, new coaching staff. So he transferred out of Auburn and is now at ASU. And because he went to Chandler Hamilton, um, he's kind of a mentor, quote-unquote, uh, for Casey Tucker. So now he's at ASU, so Casey Tucker really likes ASU. That's probably the team to beat for him right now. But like I said, he's a little aloof with the process. And, you know, even when he committed to USC, he just kind of talked about it was the perfect fit and he liked the academics. But you got the sense he got caught up in the hype of USC last year. Because you have to remember, he committed last year early, um, you know, during uh, just after the summer, basically. And that was, you know, when all the other kids that they had the 18 committed and they had the number one recruiting class in the nation and there was nobody able to catch USC, blah, blah, blah. Uh, preseason number one, Matt Barkley's going to win Heisman Trophy. That was all part of that. Uh, that that whole windfall of hype that was going on, and so he got caught up in that, and I think he's kind of caught up in the whole Westerman thing right now. And um, I, I think that's a very it's very possible he just goes to ASU. I mean, it's convenient for him. Um, the one school I would watch out for would be Notre Dame because the head coach there at uh, Chandler Hamilton is a is a Notre Dame guy, Steve Bellis. And um, he sent uh, Cole Luke there. Uh, he's definitely a guy that, that has some influence there, and I think Notre Dame could be a player for him. I don't know grades-wise if that becomes a, maybe a conflict for him or what have you. Um, we still have to kind of see how things go. He committed so early to USC. It was, you know, he says he's on the fast track to being an early enrollee, so his grades are probably pretty much um, together. And I know Stanford's kind of starting to look at him late now too. So there will be some schools in there at where USC stands right now. I just I don't I don't think he comes back to USC. I think he's still talking to USC. If USC turned around and and you know ended up in the national championship game, I think they might have a possibility with him again. But unless that happens, I think he's looking like I said, hot schools. And if it doesn't work out, you know, in that area where you know for whatever reason he's just not feeling it, or 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 those schools like Notre Dame or Stanford, they don't have the seasons that you know. They, they expect to have. I could see him just very easily ending up at ASU. As far as you know, why he decommitted from USC, like I said, it was just the hype. I think it was one of those reasons why, you know, I, I have a hard time anymore really calling guys commits. Um, even you know Smallwood talking about you know Deshaun Smallwood. I, I'd say he's a declaration for USC. I wouldn't say he's a commitment to USC because that word commitment is not defined by the actions uh, that. Deshaun Smallwood has had since he's committed. He's, he went to UCLA, got an offer. He's gone to other schools. You know, he's going to take all his official visits. It's just he, he's he's looking around. You know, he's there, part of that class right now, but he's still looking around. So I think it'd be a declaration. And the same thing with Casey Tucker, which we talked about months before he ended up officially quote unquote decommitting. Uh, we said, you know, he's just a guy that's. You know, he's kind of got his foot in the door at USC, but it doesn't really mean a whole lot. And um, obviously, you know, that followed through with his actions when he decommitted. Uh, all right, then we got one last one, Gerard. We'll let you go. It's from David and OC again. Um, he wants to know, and I, I think this is interesting. He said, this question may be better fit for Gerard, but since he doesn't come on the podcast, maybe you can help me understand. He's on, David, so he's here. He's going to answer. Um, why or what does Notre Dame do? Uh, or have that makes it so attractive to all the recruits who visit there? 
tradition. Um, I think it's a place of lure still, and, and um, it is a brand, and, and it's a great campus, and, and there's a lot of things that, you know, Notre Dame does to to emphasize those things, you know, the history of the school and the history of the program, and, and they do a good job with it. Um, you know, and they get exposure out here as, as well as nationally. I mean, you, you play USC every year, and they've done, you know, a good job making sure that they continue to have, you know, Stanford or UCLA or some other school out west on the schedule uh, so they maintain some type of presence out in the west coast. Um, and, and I think it's just those those – those factors that, that do a lot. You know, I've talked to various people about that. And, uh, you know, even Kennedy Polamalu, the former uh, officer coordinator at USC, you know, I talked to him about Notre Dame and, you know, he's been to Notre Dame. And I, I think he, I want to say he took an official visit to Notre Dame when he was a recruit. And, you know, he obviously ended up at USC, but he talked about it with, uh, with, some, with some emphasis and, you know, what they do and, and, you know, being admitted at Notre Dame and, and all those little traditions and the prestige that you have with that program. Um, I think it still plays for kids. And, and it's definitely a much different setting than you would have in California, you know, with UCLA or USC. Uh, if you want the small college town, if you want to kind of get away from, you know, Los Angeles and, and the pace of life, um, it, it's, it's a place that you could go, you know, and some kids are looking for that. I think obviously, you know, it's, 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 a lot of it has to go, it has to do with USC. USC dictates these things. When Notre Dame is able to get guys, it's usually because U, USC is down or USC is not playing to the level that people expect USC to do. UCLA has had little patches where they've been able to get guys and kind of, um, dominate with from a recruiting standpoint. You know, there was a little bit of a stretch there with Toledo when they were kind of starting to stretch their wings a little bit nationally, and they were getting guys from, from you know, Denver and, and, and a couple guys like Freddie Mitchell from Florida. But USC, from a brand standpoint, if they're really playing and they're winning Pac-10, Pac-12 titles, it, it's really hard. There's not a lot of kids that, that leave. You know, there, there's the, you know, the guys like uh, Ronald Powell and, and Josh Shaw going to Florida. I mean, that was, you know, what was the alternative to USC? Well, USC was kind of on the downspin there, and they ended up having a bad season, and that opened the door for kids to start looking at an alternative. And Josh Shaw, obviously, it was an alternative that he wanted to stick with because he transferred from Florida. But there's, there's kids that, you know, if you open up the door and you kind of say, hey, you know, there's an alternative here to winning and maybe getting to the NFL, you know, and they're going to look at that. Some of these kids kind of get enamored with the idea of, oh, yeah, I'd love to play in a college town. And I'd love to go somewhere where it's all about college football and it's all about passion and, and you know, the, the, the stadium is packed no matter what. Yeah, I'll just ignore the fact that they've got, you know, one Walmart, you know, 50 miles from campus and, you know, you're, you're, you're basically, you know, frat row is all you've got in terms of entertainment. Um, they, you know, they, but, but it's game day. Oh man. And I blame for, you know, football becomes this big thing. And, and so that alternative is a good alternative for them. And, you know, Notre Dame, like I said, it's a very contrasting thing for USC. Um, it's just totally different from USC in a lot of different ways. And if USC is down and they're losing kids are automatically California kids, especially they have, they're pretty worldly kids and they want to go out and see new things. And it gives them more of an excuse to go to Notre Dame. And like I said, beautiful campus, lots of history. Um, and if Notre Dame is winning, then, you know, that's, that's, that's just another, you know, factor that plays towards, uh, you know, why I should leave California. Um, but again, I, I think it's all dictated on USC and how successful USC is and, you know, how well they do uh, recruiting with their, with their coaching staff. Um, if you're, you know, if you're doing what Pete Carroll was doing, it, Notre Dame wasn't getting a lot of great guys from California. They got guys like Sierra Wood who left, I think he left Notre Dame early this year to go to the NFL draft and then get drafted. Wow, yeah, I didn't see that on him. But, yeah, I remember, I remember covering him in high school. Yeah, came from a small high school. And USC liked him, but they liked him more as a safety. And, and you, you know, you have Jimmy Clausen's of the world. So, I mean, there's guys that still leave, but Jimmy Clausen's leaving because, you know, USC's got, you know, Matt, Matt, uh, uh, Mark Sanchez and there's other guys that are there. Uh, you know, there, there are going to be guys that some guys that go and leave. Um, and uh, there's always, you know, in terms of, you know, there's too much talent at one place and you got to look at alternatives. But um, USC is going to dictate that in terms of how much they win and how much they lose and, you know, what kind of uh, 
success that they have on the field. And, you know, obviously if they're successful, it leads to guys getting drafted and going to the NFL. And, and then you have, um, you know, that factor that plays towards them as well. You know, it was a funny, uh, when you were talking about that, I just thought of when we hired Dan Wykey, I don't know, it must've been like five years ago or something like that. Um, he was covering, he we worked for rivals, but he was on, on the old miss site. He was covering it for old miss. And, uh, the biggest thing when he moved out here, he was like, oh, I so want to be able to go to Best Buy. Like, we didn't even have a Best Buy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he just wanted to buy CDs and stuff. And he just, like, you couldn't do it where where he was living in, uh, in Mississippi. So, <laughs> so and yeah. When you're, I mean, and you, when you're, you know, 17, 18 years old, you grow, I think, uh, you kind of overlook and take for granted the, the conveniences there are of Southern California. I mean, you know, I've got probably – three or four Costco's within, you know, 10 miles of my house. I mean, like I just, the restaurants, the amount of stuff that you have all throughout Southern California, you can just go down and get something you need. Or, you know, you have a doctor that's, uh, you have a choice of five or six different, you know, medical yeah. centers you can go to. You know, when you your, move your to nice a small dinner's not at Applebee's. You know, it's so, you know that's not like the the nicest place around. Things like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and and so you know you 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 go and you visit South Bend or you go and visit Gainesville, and you're like you know you don't think about those things when you're a kid. You know, you're not oh crap. You know, there's the one place you go get your laundry done. That everybody gets their laundry done. There's the one place you go to go you know, do this and you do that. And it's like, that's the one place. Cause it's just a small town, but you know, you go there on a game day and you got 90,000 people or you go to Tuscaloosa and they've got, you know, like what, 111, 111,000 people or something like that for a spring game. I mean, that's like really impressive. And you can, and kids just get, you know, definitely caught up in that stuff. And it's, it's a big deal. You know, you don't think about the tornadoes that just rolled through their last spring. Although the, there's a lot of factors that come into, you know, living somewhere, but they're 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids, so they don't think of that. So there's a lot of these other factors that come into play. And I think with, um, you know, Notre Dame, it's a great, I mean, it's a great school. Though. I mean, you have to, great education. Um, you know, USC fans don't want to hear it, but there's a lot of great things to Notre Dame. So if USC is not getting it done on the field, there will be an alternative there, and and not to say it's not an alternative, but look at let's face facts. Sierra Wood, and I'm trying to think of another guy that you know, um, you know, Atkinson brothers. Um, uh, these guys are not the level <laughs> of players of a, a Eddie Vanderdose or a Max Redfield. USC gets hit way harder losing Max Redfield and Eddie Vanderdose than they do losing a guy like, you know, George Atkinson III or, uh, you know, Sierra Wood. Those are nice guys that USC recruited and they liked, but it was like, eh, we'll get somebody else. You know, it's not, it's, we're, not, we're not crying in our milk here because of, uh, because of losing those guys. Jimmy Clausen, you know, USC was on them. Yeah, they would have liked to stack their roster and have, you know, five, five star guys on the roster or whatever <laughs> at that point. I mean, it was just ridiculous with, you know, the, yeah. the, the positions and the guys that they were stacking. Um, but it didn't work out, so he went to, you know, he went to, to Notre Dame. And, and they got Mark Tyler instead, and they got Marshall. Um, Marshall Jones. Uh, yeah, Marshall Jones and, and the other guys from Oaks, Oaks Christian. Christian and, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 one of those things. You're going to lose some guys because there's only you know 85 roster spots, and you know kids start looking at the, you know the the amount of talent you have there, and they're going, oh crap, you know, I mean, I'm going to be third on the depth chart for until my junior year, you know, I don't want to go there. But um, but it, it really is dictated by USC when they're winning. Now, if they're not winning, like I said, now you have Notre Dame, and you're more open to all the things that Notre Dame has and the differences, you know, that Notre Dame and some of these kids go, Hey, you know what? I'm living in Southern California. You know, I don't like the traffic. Uh, I don't want to live in the city. And, and then they start thinking about all this stuff and then they go out there and you're playing in front of all these fans and, and football is a big deal out there. Whereas here, I mean, again, you almost, you have to win out here for the fans to really be like, Oh, okay. Take notice. You know, I mean, how many people were at this spring game, uh, this past spring as comparison to, you know, maybe when USC was, you know, 2005, 2006, big difference. I mean, you're trying to follow the difference between you know, probably 10,000 people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things that um, there's going to be alternatives if you do not win and you don't lock down uh, your state with evaluation and make sure you're on top of these kids early too. That's the other thing. I mean, USC for the past few years has, has been kind of the last to offer some of these kids. Um, you know, that's the one thing with Smallwood, they got on him early 
and they were one of the first schools to offer them. They offered them before UCLA. They offered them before, I think, Washington even, too. And for, you know, the past few years, I'd say three, almost four years, even at the end of Pete Carroll's reign at USC, USC kind of was the last team to offer. Now, when you're winning seven straight Pac-10 titles, you can be the last team to offer. You can sit back and say, <laughs> look, it, we want you to come camp. Because the kids are going to go, well, you know, it's USC. They're going to get whoever they want. So i got to go in there and show I'm good enough to play at USC. But when you win seven games and you lose six, kids are going, why are you on your high horse about offering me? <laughs> I mean, right, I, yeah. I've caught a bunch of offers already, and I've got Notre Dame offering me and Alabama offering me and USC's waiting. So that's also a big factor. I mean, you also have to invest locally and make sure that you get your foot in the door with these kids locally and know about the Anthony Thomas before he becomes a national recruit. And that's also going to help you as well. One of the things that's funny, too, is just uh, for every USC fan out there that's like, wow, I can't believe Notre Dame's recruiting this well, or I can't believe UCLA is, oh, they picked up another recruit. Oh, wow. I mean, last year, with you know, every time USC's signing, you know, five five-star guys and they're under sanctions, you have fans from other schools that are rival schools that are like, how do they get five five-star guys? They got you know. So for USC, the class was like a disaster because there was only 12 or 13 guys. But still, people are looking at it like, well, every dude was a four- or five-star guy. They got five five-stars. No one even did that. So people are saying the same thing. If you're a USC fan and you're kind of, you know, grass is greener, other people are saying the same thing. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I think uh, it's one of those things that um, you're, you're always going to kind of analyze your analysis of, you know, the roster that you follow and, and the team that you follow is going to be different than – you know, what Notre Dame has or what they don't have. What I will say, and I have to say this, is that when I start playing for Notre Dame this fall, because if you go to Notre Dame's <laughs> official website, you will see that Gerard Martinez is the receiver for Notre Dame. Now, nice. I'm walking on right now, but I'm telling you, I am going to be a player. So, obviously, the alternative to Notre Dame, because USC didn't win last year, I decided, hey, look it, i, I got to look at Notre Dame. I want to get that education. I want to go, and I want to, you know – I'm going to be the next man to tail, just not on Twitter. <laughs> you can be uh, Irish Illustrated's uh, deep throat, the, the mole inside the Notre Dame program for Irish Illustrated, our, our, rivals, our rivals Notre Dame site. Yep, I will feed uh, info to Jake Brown on uh, all of the uh, <laughs> inner workings of uh, Brian Kelly's, uh, you know, his outbursts in the locker room. Nice. All right. Well, Gerard, good stuff. I'm glad we, you know, a little over a month, so I'm glad we got to come back and uh, do a podcast again. Hopefully... Everyone out there enjoyed it and uh, send in your questions. We'll uh, try to do we'll do more of these because we're going to be out covering uh, passing tournaments and, and more of the stuff on the May evaluation and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll keep doing them. Send in your questions, podcast at uscfootball.com, and we'll do our best to answer them. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.